Welcome to the Freedom Fries Podcast. From the timeless Army-Navy rivalry to a passion for pursuing financial freedom through real estate, join Mike and Spiros for real talk about the huge wins and crushing losses of patriots who relentlessly pursue financial freedom. Freedom Fries is focused real estate investing for epic success. Welcome back to the Freedom Fries Real Estate Podcast. It's your main man, Mike, with my main homie here, as always, Spiros. Uh, we're back at it again with another episode here for our listeners. Fantastic guests, uh, really high-level uh, high level stuff here on this episode. I'll let Spiros do an introduction of who we talked to this week. Is it? Hey, wait, is this our first episode of the new year? I think it this is. This is our first episode. Talk about talk about starting the new year off with a bang, Spiros. This was That's great. Right. This was awesome, man. This, this was great. episode was a great way to start the year. And I'll tell you that this is the most technical real estate episode we've yeah. had so far. Um, Zach is a young guy, tons of energy. He's gotten involved in a lot of different aspects of real estate. And actually, about midway through the conversation, he kind of highlights in a very simple way some very like interesting ways to make decisions, very mm-hmm. interesting ways to view the wide range of opportunities and how you select them. And he talks a little bit about some of the deals that he's done, both good and bad. So I'm super yeah. excited to hear from Zach. He's a great guy. Same here, man. There's no other things that need to be said. Let's bring him on in. All right, Zach, welcome to the Freedom Fries Real Estate Podcast. Uh, Spiros and I really appreciate your time and we appreciate you jumping on here with us tonight. So uh, I'll stop talking. I know Spiros and I are going to pepper you with a lot of questions. So tell the people a little bit about yourself and uh, let's get to it. Hi, team. Zach Yearsley. I'm uh, an aspiring real estate investor. I don't want to say that I'm, I guess I'm very early on and, um, you know, prior to, you know, prior to getting into real estate a little bit, I worked in um, technology scales. Uh, and before that, I spent about 15 years in the Marine Corps. So, yeah. <laughs> what did you do then. in the Marine Corps? I spent about seven years enlisted and then I decided I lost a bet and then um, I crossed <laughs> over to become an officer, which was Probably the greatest thing and worst thing I ever did at the same time. So it was uh, it was fantastic learning experience as well. Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> exactly. That's, cool. That's very what, cool. What kind of stuff did you do in the Marine Corps? Yeah, so I um, so I spent about six years active duty, um, and then I spent about sorry six years active duty, uh, uh, like you know officer enlisted, or sorry ten years, and then I did uh, about five years reserve, and I did pretty much anything that any normal marine would do uh and then i left my last post was uh, as a communications officer so basically setting up verizon wireless in the middle of nowhere nice that's That's pretty cool and that's actually a marketable (laughs) skill how did sometimes yeah sometimes yeah how did you you find the transition Uh, you know a lot of our listeners are either transitioning or thinking about it right so it'd be great to hear a little bit about uh, how you sort of finally came the de- the decision to get out and then how you found that transition. Yeah, I would say I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, it was the, it was the, the, the best decision I ever made um, was joining the military, hands down, okay. hard on. Yeah. Second best decision I ever made was getting out. And that was, <laughs> and that was, you know, from a personal choice that I had done a lot of the things that I had wanted to accomplish. And there was just certain things that within life you had to, you know, we all have to take that. Sometimes we do have to step aside 
where you know there are some life events that said, hey, I have to be here. The Marine Corps does not necessarily agree to that sometimes. And I would say that you know when people get out, it's a lot harder than you think it is. There's no checklist whatsoever. Right. Everybody's right. checklist is different and your transition is unique to your own. Find somebody who's done it before, follow their footsteps for a little bit. And then when you have enough, create your own, create your own path, but don't so, reinvent the wheel. So I, I always wonder, and I only know about transition assistance program that I got at my duty mm-hmm. station, you know, but I wonder, everybody probably doesn't have the same experience, right? So, you know, I wonder, I don't know no. if either of you guys know, like, is there any standardization in the military when it comes to transition assistance programs? Or is it kind of like roll your own, depending on where you're at, do your best? I think it's, I think it's choose your own adventure sort of thing. I know that there is a, it is that there is a specific standard, but usually it's broken into, into two segments. The first of which is entry level Marines who did four years and then got out. Yeah. Um, and then the other is retirees, you know, two very different, two very different people where you have, you know, a lot of the people I remember sitting next to, you know, sitting next to people who were 22 years old and they right. had never created a resume. They didn't know how to apply to college. And then the other people were, you know, retiring after 30 years in the military where it was like, okay, well, where do I fit in? I'm definitely not the young kids because I I don't want to do some of these roles. I'm not going to apply to college. Um, Mm -hmm. And then the other guys who are, you know, who are kind of longer in the tooth, that is where it goes. I also don't follow into those senior, yes, those senior executive positions where, hey, so it's kind of. I was like in that he goes in that weird gooey middle where it says I'm going to take a little bit of this, a little bit of that to you know. And so how do we go from uh, talk to us a little bit about the transition from Marine Corps to what's your next step in life, and then how you jump into real estate? Yeah, so I did what I did what most people do. I said I am going to get out and I am going to move back to hometown USA, which is Sacramento, California, because that's what I'm supposed to do. Nice. Um, I'm going to go buy a house. And mm-hmm. I am going to live there, have, you know, with a white picket fence and 1.5 kids and li- live off and, you know, <laughs> go off in my dying days. So during that time period, I was I was getting my MBA from from UCLA. It come to find out that all the jobs I was applying to weren't in Sacramento. And hmm. when I was applying to a couple of jobs, I made every effort to be able to get a job in Sacramento. And then I interviewed, went through that process, which was completely different than anything I'd ever done in the military. And then they said, congratulations, we are offering you a job. Pack your bags, you're going to Texas. Hey, <laughs> I know that. So, so, so I, quick, 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 funny story. I, I majored <laughs> in ocean engineering, which is kind of a fancy way of saying like oil rig design. Sounds yeah, like underwater I, basket weaving yeah. to me, Spirit. What in the I, world is that? Something like that. You, well, it's like it's like structural engineering, but underwater, right? It's building oil rigs, essentially, is what mm-hmm. it is. So I graduate and I'm thinking, okay, well, if I get out of the military, you know, this will be valuable, right? Fast forward 10 years, go to get out of the military, go to a recruiter, and they're like, okay, well, so when are you moving to Louisiana? I'm like, what? <laughs> What? Yep. Yep. He goes, the only ocean engineering jobs are in Texas, Louisiana. Holy about cow. It. Yeah, Permian Basin. Yeah. It's, no, it's, thank uh-huh. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so it's, like, it's a real thing. So yeah. uh, Zach, Zach, we we have a very similar story. I got out of the military. <laughs> I was doing the same thing as you, interviewing everything, is trying to stay back home close to New York. And then uh they said, Okay, you're uh, moving to Texas, and here I am. <laughs> yeah. It's a phenomenal state. Uh, and then, yeah. you know, as I was working through my MBA program, I was 
as working through my MBA program, I said, okay, well, I'm a Marine with absolutely zero marketable skills. Right. I studied I econ. Just get, yeah. yeah. I just need to get a degree to right. go learn. So I've said, well, my mentor was in finance, so I need to go get a finance degree. As an MBA military veteran, you really have two tracks. Um, first of which was investment banking. Second of which was um was management consulting, and I basically, you know, powered through all those two things, and then in a sick, twisted, sick, twisted feat of fate, I uh, ended up talking to somebody who came out of management consulting, and they offered me a job in sales, and that's how I ended up here today. So awesome! And then so, what do you? What exact? Yeah, what exactly are you doing today, Zach? I think I'm curious. Yeah, so I I work specifically in uh, data and artificial intelligence. So okay. you know when we think of when we think of AI, it sounds really cool and really complex. Mm -hmm. um, and machine learning sounds awesome. Like we're just thinking machines are working in the background doing all this cool stuff. No, not really. It's a <laughs> bunch of math and done mm -hmm. with something ocean engineering or Spiros would be able to <laughs> to be able to dive a little bit deeper into. It's way above my head, but yeah. there's um. And then you build, because you, you build, you know, the data solutions to be able to help solve problems. And ironically, that was kind of the twinge that kind of got me into the number side of real estate, which is what kind of attracted me because it said, cool. oh, okay, if I buy something for $80,000 or $100,000 and I can get 8%, mm -hmm. that means it's 8% that or $8,000 right. ROI. And then that will compound over a period of years. And then there's a growth curve. When I initially got into real estate, it was a very it was a very numbers driven aspect uh, or adventure, um, and then we kind of deviated from there to be able to do the macro analysis and to be able to use data to be able to identify markets and trends and to be able to kind of make at least not make dumb not overtly dumb decisions. Right. Right. Yeah. Calculate calculated risk. That's what I yeah, like to call it. Exactly. And realizing right. that sometimes you can only do so much, and then other times right. you get punch in the mouth oh man zach you have you just dropped so many good nuggets we got to we got to tear this apart all right so we'll talk to us a little bit about um right so if you have a new investor or even a seasoned investor how you get into like how are you learning what the macros of real estate are how are you looking at how are you even you know if you haven't done real estate before how are you analyzing different markets how are you learning what these numbers mean you know how are yeah. you diving into all that i mean first and foremost is uh, first and foremost is I'm still learning. So this is not a, right, like it's right. a B. So I think that the, the salient point behind that is being the eternal student and being open to learn. Because if you think you know everything, chances right. are you're probably headed for a pretty big cliff mm -hmm. and you're going to walk right off of it. So when, you know, from my perspective and what, from, from, the, from the amount of time that I've been doing this is first evaluating what your risk tolerance is and kind of internally doing some introspection to be able to understand what is your risk tolerance? What is your ability to raise capital? What are your skills that make you that make you marketable to be able to identify and to be able to take down a specific set of properties? For instance, we have some people who are very good at capital raising, very good people who are sourcing deals. Other people can analyze deals. And then there's other people just who have boatloads of cash who are ready to be investors. So identifying what your skills are and how you play into the larger uh, ecosystem of acquisition and what that acquisition strategy is, I think is incredibly important to be able to identify what type of investor you want to be within real estate. Zach, do you think it's important 
for people to pick a lane and stay in it? Or do you think there is a freedom to be able to be good at several things? What's your opinion on that? I think in, I think you have to have a solid foundation in all and then pick what works. Right. I mean, some of the, some of the strategies that I've employed where I did a buy and hold where I, you know, made 50% off a property in, you know, a pretty short amount of time. Other times have been, uh, Spiros, the deal you and I worked was I'm now entering into an Airbnb, uh, Airbnb market. Others mm-hmm. are long-term buy and hold that are out of state. You know, some are doing some mixed use commercial buildings. So as part of that is, so the, the, I don't know if any one strategy is better than the other. I will say that each is doing a different thing for a different reason and understanding how that plays into your overall investment strategy, I think is the, is the better way to look at that rather than saying, I'm only going to do this and that's it. Right. Because Got by it. doing that, you, you kind of shut your mind off or, you know, close yeah. out on potential opportunities that you didn't even open, uh, you know, open yourself up to yeah. because you're so narrow focused. But I agree with you, Zach, at the same time, you should, you know, if your focus is Airbnbs, then make sure you're running the numbers correctly and you're looking at Airbnbs yeah. and you're not looking at multifamily, you know, that, uh, that you're, you're wasting your time. But at the same time, kind of have an open mind and see what's going on. Ironically, the first conversation I had with Spiros was I said, stay off the coast and never do Airbnb. <laughs> Ironically, I have run a I run an Airbnb on the coast. That's awesome. And it's, yeah, and it's just kind of a, that sick, twisted. So maybe made, I maybe guess. my superpower is getting people to do things that they're not comfortable doing. And that might be yeah. it. That might be it. <laughs> so Zach, let's talk about Airbnbs. I have three Airbnbs. Um, I know Spiros is up and running. He might run his as an Airbnb. Airbnbs is such a hot, like the, the short-term rental. It's this big phase. Everybody thinks it's going to crash. People think, you know, it's the time to yeah. jump in. I don't know. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on short-term rentals. I know a lot of our listeners are probably curious as well. I think that with if you think it's always going to crash it's always going to crash you think it's always going to gain you're going to find it it all depends on what data you're going to look at so the glass is either half full or it's half empty i would say that depending on how you look at it you can buy a losing investment in the perfect scenario in the perfect time you can also buy a winning investment in a bad time Mm -hmm. so identifying it all goes back to what your internal strategy is personally i as a w2 employee i am buying airbnb and self-managing to help offset W-2 earnings rather than using it as an investment rather than as a long-term investment medium. That is a strategy that I'm employing for a specific niche use case that is distinct for what other people are that are other people are doing where they're looking to maximize ROI. So Mm -hmm. Zach, can you put your teacher hat on for a second and Mm -hmm. rewind that and explain to our listeners exactly what you just said in very direct terms? So in order to know the, in order to break the rules of grammar, you have to know the rules of grammar. So to be able to know the tax code and to be able to understand it in one, I am not an attorney, I'm not a CPA, find people who are smarter than you. Right. As a W-2 employee, I live in California. For me to be able to activate active losses, I needed the Airbnb to be, uh, I needed the Airbnb to be self-managed for a hundred hours or more than any other person. As part of that, that would allow me to create a cost segregation, uh, to do a cost segregation and then bonus depreciate the property value to be able to create a paper loss to be able to offset my w-2 income now there's a lot there there's a lot of math there's a lot of what ifs and it's a very conditional analysis so before you do any of that 
I know somebody's going to uh, listen and say, that's illegal. That's wrong. Yeah. You can't do that. Consult the tax professional. It um, might work for you. It may not work for you. Talk to somebody who's smarter. Sure. I'm 100% with you, Zach. And I do exactly the same thing. I My CPA tells me exactly what to do. He said, you know, ma- I manage all my, Airbnbs, my Airbnbs myself. He said, log 100 plus hours for each one and I'll do the rest. So all I know is I have an Excel sheet. I check, you know, all the messages and the check-ins and this and that. I'm going to hand that over to him in a few weeks and and the rest is, you know, my W2s hopefully gets, uh, you know, I get a little bit of a reduction there. So I agree 100%. It's a huge incentive with Airbnbs and short-term rentals if you do it correctly yeah. and manage it yourself. But make sure you're checking with, you know, the professionals so, so you have all your, you know, your dot your I's and cross your T's. Awesome. Mike, a lot of work. Mike, let me ask you a question on something yeah. specific you said. Log sure. 100 plus hours for each Airbnb? Or do you log 100 plus hours as a an active, materially participating manager of any number of Airbnbs? Great question. I have no, I log for each, I log individually for each one. I don't know if I can combine, you know, if it's a per property or, you know, if I get a tax break per property, but I just know that I need at least 100 plus hours. I, okay. I, he recommended that I do it per property. I don't know if there's something he's doing in the background okay. in terms of, uh, you know, tax, you know, tax code and whatnot. But um, I, I know I, I personally log for, for each three. And it's yeah. pretty much the same thing per, pro, you know, I sent I sent in a message. I sent the cleaners here. I sent that. So, you know, it's a copy and paste job, but it's, you know, just having that proof in case anybody asks for it. It's a lot of work. It's, it is it a is lot a, of work. It, it is a lot of, like, it's a hundred hours. It's like, well, if you think about it takes, yeah. It's like, oh, well, I was messaging messaging the guests for 15 minutes. Okay, that would mean that, that it takes 400 times right. to be able to do. And if you're doing right. it right, you're not talking to them all the time because it's largely automated. The, so, I mean, if you are running your Airbnbs correctly, you will have very minimal interactions besides those one-off guests who have a problem with every single thing in the house, which you just can't, you know, you can't account for that. So, you, you know, you might nope. be a little more involved. But yeah, no, I'm with you. You want everything kind of in uh, your systems running. Yeah, you guys are hitting on something that I think about a lot, right? I have one Airbnb in Daytona Beach, um, and it's professionally managed by a management firm, and and I like it that way. Obviously, it's not giving me any offset to my W-2 income. I have other things that do that, but I, I do. I have this debate, you know, sometimes when, like you said, Mike, it's a hot topic. Sometimes when you bring up Airbnb, people are like, mm-hmm. oh man, those are awesome. They kill it. Returns incredible. And then you have other people that are like, worst thing you'll ever do, man. Because <laughs> the amount of time and effort you're going to put into yeah. it, the wear and tear on your property, the, you know, there's th- this, I think, I believe is one of the mostly contested sort of topics in the real estate world. You yeah. Know? Anytime you sit down with a bunch of people, like this is the one that right. half of the people are going to agree on, half of them are going to disagree on. 100%. And that's, and that's it. And that's why it goes to what is your strategy? And that's mm-hmm. why you, to, to the original point where I think you have to have a solid foundation because while Spiros, you have an Airbnb, you also have, you know, some long-term rentals, you have some flips. Yep. So I think as part of that, to be able to, to be able to, you know, diversifying risk and then not only, not only by types of, by types of real estate, but also across, you know, ge- geography and, right. and geography with, you know, one single family home, one's a condo, one's a, mm-hmm. you know, a building, one's mixed use. 
I think there's ways to be able to uh, to be able to diversify risk to a point where you know it is acceptable for me to be able to employ some of these strategies to be able to sure. receive a certain return. Mike, what's your favorite strategy right now? Um, so I got into the Airbnb business when it was like just everybody was doing Airbnbs. It was the hottest thing. It was probably the worst time to buy. But my Airbnbs do fine. They, you know, I'm not losing any money. I I get tax breaks and things of that nature. I sold four long-term rentals to buy my Airbnbs. And now I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to go back to the long-term rentals a little bit. And I like the the consistency. It's a little bit less work. Like, you know, like we've been talking, I'm not going to, if an Airbnb pops up I'm, and, and the numbers work and it's in my strategy and it's in my, in my wheelhouse, I'm going to buy it. Um, same thing with a long-term rental on, you know, a multifamily. If I can run the numbers and I'm partnering with somebody who knows what they're doing and, uh, you know, maybe, you know, I have a little bit less of a role, but it's a great deal. I'm going to buy it. So, um, but right now, if I had to say an answer, I, I like the long-term rentals and I, I personally, I'm going to do a few flips. I think I'm going to do a couple flips here now that I'm in Texas. I'm going to try to rebuild some of my reserves that route. And, uh, and then along the way, who knows, things might pop up. So, you know, I don't, I hate, I hate to, you know, pigeon myself into one hole, but I'm a mixed bag. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of open for anything. Zach, whatever I know works. you've done, yeah, yeah. I know you've done <laughs> whatever works, things, Zach. Whatever works, man. I'm with <laughs> like, you. If it, if it makes like, money and it's got, it's got a path that helps me in the future to get to retire, I'll, I'll yeah. do it. So Zach, I know you've done a lot of different things, including, you know, investing in businesses and stuff like that. So maybe you could list through things that you've done and then tell us what you're working on now. Yeah, I think uh, right now, I think a lot of my effort is we are in the world of AI. So my my professional career keeps me pretty, pretty. Sure. Uh, I, I will say 40 hours a week because I know this is recorded, but, but <laughs> like candidly, that is probably more on the higher side than that. And then so as part of it, I, I think right now in terms of there's, you know, I've invested in some small startups, things like that. Those are largely passive where I'm not. I'm not as actively involved. And then in terms of real estate, I think that there's an opportunity, specifically what my focus would be is to focus on guess, on um, on underrepresented markets where I think that, hmm. you know, during COVID, there was a, you know, COVID, there was a mad dash to certain areas, you know, Florida right now exploded where, hmm. you know, the coastline with the low interest rates. That being said, the question becomes, if everybody was making money, the question is in a high interest rate, how are people, how do you maintain, you know, making money? Yes, the things are more expensive. Yes, you have high interest rates. Well, based off of the numbers, you know, like I think it was like 40 or 50% of, you know, of people have a, uh, have a mortgage that are, that's either completely paid off or that's lower than, uh, that's lower than 4%. Where's the opportunity? Finding those opportunities, even in this environment, I think is important. Getting creative, like the deal that Sparrows and I worked with, creative financing, working with the builder. I think that that's I think that's the approach right now, and I think that that will be the approach in, in in the coming future. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Mike. So I don't know if you you know, but Zach is one of the investors in my Elbow Creek deal here in Melbourne, the townhomes. Along, beautiful, uh, beautiful the property. There. Have uh, you set the Have you set that property up already, Zach, as an Airbnb? <laughs> yes, and uh, we, with the help of Spiros, uh, with the help of Spiros, you know, kind of pushing the construction crew to make sure that it completed on time. Yeah. We were able to. Log I successfully on. installed <laughs> curtains 
as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, it's, I'm it's a, a full service wholesaler, man. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, it was, it was a lot, like it was a lot. So we, I was able to, there was a lot of work on the, uh, there was a lot of work on the front end, but effectively mm-hmm. the day that I finished setting everything up was the first day that we had a, I think I left the property at three and the, the, the woman who is the guest <laughs> showed up at like four fifteen, and I was driving like down the street oh, and she awesome. said, Oh my gosh. And she was like, <laughs> she was like, Hey, there's, they're still constructing the place. I was like, your unit is done completely. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Enjoy your night. <laughs> had a great stay. Uh, she had a great stay and everything. And then it was good. just, uh, it was cool. a lot. Your cool. shower what glass a- was done today, by the way, Zach. Oh yeah. What Zach have have you ran into any challenges? I'm curious. Uh, there's always a big debate that you know one of the also the big debates in short term rentals are self managed versus personal. Uh, you know, property manager. Have you run into any? crazy hiccups managing your, yourself personally i'm a hands-on guy so i like managing it myself but i don't know if you have a different uh different take I don't. I don't. yeah it's... i don't like managing myself i i really don't i i i'm not smart enough to do i'm not a professional at doing this um yeah. I, would, I would rather if i had a choice i would rather have other people manage it as long yeah. as i understand what's going on like hey right. i don't think it was, i don't need to be a cpa but i need to know what my cpa is doing and i need to know what strategies they're employing and i i'm a big fan of hey if i can employ somebody to do it for less than it would cost me for mm-hmm. me to do it, then I would that yeah, it's an economic net positive. I should definitely right. employ them to do it. Yeah. Right. Um, so if I can offload some of that work and still regain part of the return, allowing me to focus on other ventures, right? I would prefer that rather than me having to meticulously count my mm-hmm. days, count my you know count my hours or count my pennies. I'd rather focus and, on and I, bigger ticket items. And I and I think so, you know for newer investors Zach, that that's such a huge point because as a newer investor and this was I'm speaking from experience because this was my mindset, right? You know, I was I didn't have a lot of money. I was always on a budget. Uh, you know, I was always penny pinching. I was like, uh, let me where can I save money? If I'm doing all the, right, if I'm doing all the work myself, I'm going to Lowe's, I'm buying the material, I'm installing it with my dad. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing I yeah my my rehab was you know 30,000 instead of 55 with a contractor but i also missed out on seven homes that came on market for in the seven months that it took me to rehab it so that it's hard to understand yeah right exactly it's risk tolerance and finding out where you are on that curve like because at the end of the day at the end of the day like i don't you know for some of these long-term for some of these like long-term rentals like i don't i don't i don't touch them like at all yeah like they're yeah. not, and it goes completely hands off, let you do your thing. I, and it comes to with a certain level of a certain level of trust and ability that you have to be able to, and like, Hey, I think I called Spiros like three times mm-hmm. during when we were going through this deal. And one of them was to say, Hey, how are you doing? The other was to <laughs> say, are you in town? Can we grab lunch? Like, and that's not a, that's not reducing my responsibility, but rather that's entrusting that the people right. that you, by the people that you're working with are going to do their job. Right. And that's one, choosing the right team to work with. And then mm-hmm. also following up to say, okay, where, where is it that you can provide the most impact? Because if I'm sitting there calling Spiros every day of the week to be able to say, oh, hey, is this, 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 th-? like, that's not going to get anybody done because he's going to, he's going to be telling me all of this. And it's like, rather than, hey, I can't, what can I legitimately do? Me talking to him doesn't really, 
that means he's not doing it. You can only do one right. thing at a time. Right. right. Yeah. And you, you trust that Spiros is doing what he needs to do. And if there's an issue, he'll let you know and he'll keep you updated. And that's, yeah. and that's the, that's the arrangement. Spiros, I'm curious what your, um, what your opinion is on dealing with a property manager on a short-term rental. How, how's your relationship with the person who manages yours? Is there ever an issue with like setting prices or anything like that? Um, so I have a great relationship with the okay. person that's managing my short-term rental. I will say, you know, it's, my short-term rental, I'll be honest, is not cash flowing yet, right? So we have not met the the pro forma kind of numbers. Mm-hmm. So so it's kind of with me, it's a little bit of a tale of two cities. One, you know, I'm working with somebody that I know that I trust has my best interest at heart. But at the same time, because I'm detached from the communication with the, you know, the bookings and all that kind of stuff, you know, I oh. wonder like, why is my occupancy rate so low? Well, there's some reasons for that, right? We just came out of the October, November, December, you know, season in Florida. There's your yeah. answer right there. But, yeah. <laughs> but I guess what I'm saying is I do sit back sometimes and scratch my head and I'm like, man, what could we be doing better? You know, do I need to, do I need to buy a nicer grill? Do I need to add a pool table? Do I need to do a bunch of things or do I need to just be patient and let it kind of work through a year long cycle and, and see what the in season rents right. are like? So back to your question, how does that marry up with my relationship with my property manager? We have a great relationship. Sometimes I have questions, but I also try to, like Zach said, if I'm sitting there picking at you every day, you're not doing your job, right? Because right? you're right. sitting there talking to me and that's not your job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to, um, trying to be trustful, medium. you know, yeah. There's a, yeah, it's a, it's, yeah, no, it's listen, it's interesting a, thing. It, it's hard because listen, it's your money, it's your property. You want to know what's going on, but you also want to have that, you know, like Zach said, that medium of, I want to give you your space and let you do your job and let you know that I trust you. And me asking you a million questions every day clearly shows that I don't trust you. So right. it's, right. it's trying to find yeah. that. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's to that point though, it's, it's also identifying things are going to go wrong. That's, I think mm-hmm. I was talking with one property manager and they had phenomenal reviews. And my, I think my response was, I don't expect any issues when things are going well. Right. That's not when, that's not when things are falling right. through the cracks. It's when things go bad. Mm-hmm. What is, what are the systems in place to be able to, to be able to identify why it happened, how we have, uh, what the damage is, how can we mitigate it in the future? And then lastly, was this a problem of systems or was this a problem of negligence and to be able to under, to be able to understand and, you know, dispassionately say, Hey, we didn't have this in place. Something mm-hmm. broke. Like we, yeah. we had one where we had something where one of the buildings where the city cracked, uh, the city cracked the water line and the entire bottom floor of the entire basement mm-hmm. was a foot and a half underwater. And they were yeah, like, and the, the property manager was like, are you mad? And I was like, for what? Like, yeah. you can't, what are you going to do? Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, get the water out, replace the yeah. dryer. Like we can't do anything. Like there's times to be, could we have prevented the city from cracking a pipe <laughs> five, uh, like 500 yards away? Sure. Maybe yeah. that's the control, the uncontrol, uh, can you control the controllable, I guess. Right. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. You can only control what's uh, in your control. Zach, if you don't mind me asking, can you uh, go into your portfolio a little bit and maybe how you uh, how you got your first deal and what that looked like? Yeah, so I think the first deal, um, so I have, I've reallocated quite a bit of funds because we're low, because right now we're in a kind of weird interest rate right now. So yeah, um, I'm 
I'm looking for I'm looking for opportunities. So I currently have uh, I have a mixed use I have a mixed use building um, in Ohio. I have an, a short term Airbnb in Florida, and then I have you know a place in Alabama. But I'm then some other business interests that are sucking way too much money, um, <laughs> <laughs> like not cash flow positive, Spiros. Not yeah, cash flow positive yeah. at all. So which one? The, which one was your first one? Uh, so the first one was a mixed use property in Ohio. So it okay. was a. It was pretty close to a university. So using university housing, um, and that's kind of right now the. There's been a massive amount of growth in the Cincinnati area. So mm-hmm. and it is you know it's it's been it's it's performing pretty it's performing pretty well. But the idea mm-hmm. is to say okay, how can we turn in you know how can we turn over the commercial property you know. The first, the first two, uh, the first two floors are doing, uh, you know, very well. But the the bottom floors, it's like, okay, well, how can we convert this into, you know, storefront? How can we do the coffee shop? How can we make sure that to have a business that is largely hands off, but also, you know, working with the city and things like that. So, sure. mm-hmm. and that was that was the first deal I got into, and that was like, hey, by the way, this out of state real estate thing, like, I need X number of tens of hundreds of uh, like dollars and it's just like i don't even know what that by the way this rehab is going to cost a hundred and fifty thousand, and you're just like you're just like what is going on like i have no money to my name (laughs) what is going on and it's like oh by the way the city cracked a pipe and it's going to cost ten thousand dollars but don't worry the city's good for it and then you're just like like really great real estate is great you're gonna exactly (laughs) exactly how did did you if you don't mind me asking how did you did you uh did you raise capital for that did you how'd you fund that deal so i i went in with a I went in with a business partner since it was okay. uh, we talk about diversifying risk and it was um it was a a friend of mine who i who i trust um mm-hmm. who i trust they had done a deal uh, they had done um a deal or something like that and it turned out pretty well for him and it was something that i i was looking to do um and i wanted to get out of i wanted to get out of my personal real estate because i was you know, i had i had the place in california and things like that and i was like okay cool well i'll dip my toe in and then before i knew it i was like i had a full foot in and <laughs> and then it was like oh cool and it, and it was wet yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah for yeah, sure yeah, and it was deep in. And it was yeah, deep. it was deep because it was just like, oh, just send over the down payment. And it's like, oh, cool. And then he's like, by the way, I need I need more than that for the rehab. And I was like, oh, OK. And I was like, by oh, the way, God. we need more than that. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is horrible. Jeez. Well, what but, this tells me, Zach, is you have the fever because all that happened on your first deal and you've come back it for was, more and more right. and more. Yeah, I, right. I, we were talking about like the eternal student. Sometimes I just don't learn. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's more, that's more the takeaway rather than hi, I got the fever. Um, but it was, that, that was how the deal went and it ended up like it was, I, I plan on holding it for a very, very, very long time because it's doing what it needs. It, it's doing what it, exactly what it yeah. needs to do, but I'm actively looking for different opportunities where I think that capital could be invested better because I think that there's, I, I think that just sometimes buy and hold is a great strategy. Other times, just because you're at the casino and just because you're doing really, really well, sometimes you might want to cash out sometimes. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel that because I had a couple long-term rentals and when this mar- when the market was crazy, you know, these last two years, when I bought them, you know, my thought process was, listen, these are, I'm going to hold these forever, hold them for 30 years, I'll get rid of them. 
then when they, you know, when the market turned real fast and, you know, I bought a house for whatever, a hundred thousand, they're like, Hey, you could sell it for two fifty today in a, in a year and a half. I'm like, Whoa, all right, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's get rid of this then. So yeah, no, you, and it's, you know, you, you have to assess lifetime and you market changes and you see what the property's doing. And, um, if you have opportunities somewhere else and you need the cash and you can move it, then, then you make a, you know, you make a, a judgment call and make a business decision and you, you do what you need to do. But if it's worth and right and everything's going according to plan you know don't break what's not broken so yeah no i'm with you man that's that's cool that's cool so mixed use uh airbnb did you buy your primary residence that you live in right now no i live in california i'm renting for yeah all right (laughs) i have more i have more rights than my landlord but by far by far (laughs) i could not pay rent for two years and he would just be like hey can you kind of pay maybe sometimes very Um, smart and that's where i'm at and i live in I live in West Los Angeles, so it's not like, okay. you know, candidly, it's not, doesn't make, doesn't make, it, do, it doesn't financially, right, right. financially, it does not make sense. Sure. And, you know, the rents. Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. Yeah. So what, um, what's Zach, tell us a little bit what the future, like, what's the future hold for you? What's your next steps? Uh, what are you thinking? What are you trying to, I know you said you're trying to move your capital around a little bit. What are, are you doing? Any looking at different markets, kind of looking at different properties? Yeah. I think I think Spiros and I talked about uh, like a couple portfolio deals that I think are that I think have legs to them. So when we think about you know largely looking at you know middle America and middle America tier two markets, I think that there is a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity there. I think that we're seeing right now we're seeing higher higher vacancies and uh, higher vacancies on the coast, you know, with people moving, like it's really, really expensive. You know, Texas is blown up over in California. I mean, the house that I, the house that I bought is like in the last, you know, seven years doubled in price. Like, and that's, I don't know, but you know, it's yeah. very hard and very hard to be able to move capital, especially when the rents aren't appreciating. But when we look at like, you know, tier two level markets, I think that there is opportunity there because people are still when for a $200,000 house, when the mm-hmm. market crashes, people still have to yeah. pay rent and people still like, you know, right. Yeah. If you, it's the, it's the frozen middle that get crushed during a, mm-hmm. during a recession, the people who make 50 grand a year, they'll make 50 grand a year. The people who make 200, make a hundred people right. make 500, make 200, you know what I mean? Right. So that, that, that upper middle class, that market gets crushed. But for the people who are, you know, in some of these markets, they've been working there for 50 years. This isn't the first recession that they've seen in 2020 or 2007 or, you know, in 81 or.com. It's, it's all the same thing. It's still life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, Zach. Um, I think all three of us got to listen to Kirby Atwell talk about his short-term rental strategy. And he's not, you know, getting short-term rentals in Florida and Texas and those markets. Yeah. He's spending, you know, $105,000, $110,000 on short-term rentals near sports stadiums in the Midwest where South nobody Bend, wants Indiana. to ride. Yep. And, yeah. and is doing really well at it. So I think your insight there, Zach, about, you know, these underserved markets is spot on. I think it's it's kind of where the gold's at, where the pay dirt's at, yeah. at least for the next yeah. two or three years. Yeah, I agree. So I yeah. agree. I mean, very cool. So one of the things, Zach, we one of one of the dreams that Mike and I have for the Freedom Fries Real Estate Podcast is kind of to satisfy one of your desires is to have access to deals and things like that. So we're trying to figure out and architect a way where we can actually have live events where people show up and can present deals, and we can like yeah. make stuff happen for our listeners. So I know you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
you're a big tech guy that's got AI on your side. So <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, anything you can do. Ooh. Yeah, anything you can do to get us like you know, a really outgoing AI host for our event. That would be great. That's funny. <laughs> it's, it's all like it's it's, it's funny. I was, I was talking to somebody in there like I want to do a I want to uh, like own the AI, and I was like, yeah, cool. Like, yeah. and so it it was, it, and I bring the it was so I bring the and it's kind of a circular topic, but. When we say, "Hey, I want to like, I want to get into real estate, or I'm gonna, I, I like, I want to work in tech," and it's like, "Cool." What does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right. Cool. Like, Spiros, you're a business such owner. A wide, Fantastic. Yeah. I want to be a business owner. Yeah. Cool. Great. Let's zero it down in the ask, and yeah. I think that that's that's one thing I'm I, I'm thinking about is what is the actual ask, and to be able to articulate like getting very tight on what it is that you're that that you're looking for. Like you asked me, like what the sole real estate strategy is and i the question the the answer is i don't have one i know some people who have been very successful at buying like they just all they do is wholesale like yeah. they just buy books of properties for mm-hmm. in podunk towns and they sell them off for 20 30 20 30 roi yeah. other people are you know master flippers you know other people do a bunch of different stuff so i think is right. the point is is that finding out what you were trying to do i think is helpful like and then being just like to your point, Mike, about being open to learn and say, yeah. "Hey, you might be wrong, dude." Like, yeah, I, sure. I now know, <laughs> I now know the deal that, like, when I was in college, and they were like, "Oh, 2012, horrible time to buy in San Diego," and it's just like, and I'm looking at the price, and I, I looked is- it up on Zillow, and I'm like, it's literally worth more than triple. That what? is insane. And I was just that like crazy. I was just like, <laughs> and like Zach, to go off of that point, right? I know we're getting close to our mark here, but I that. That's what I say to people when they're when their response is like, "Oh, I gotta wait for real estate. I gotta wait for the market to come down. I, it's too hot. I gotta do sure. something different." You're just gonna you're gonna be saying that for the next thirty years. You, right. the, you're just gonna say, "Okay, I gotta keep waiting. I gotta keep waiting." And if you would have bought thirty years ago in L.A., look what you would have been on right now, right? Yeah. If you would have bought thirty years ago in Brooklyn, brought a brownstone for two hundred thousand, and they're worth one point five million now, yeah. <laughs> you you would yeah. be sitting on the beach. So there's never gonna be the right time but if your numbers work and everything's and everything's panning out go for it you know are you are you able to adjust the question is is that hey like it's this sounds really bad but like don't play like can you are you willing to be cool as a cucumber when things go bad the question is when do you freak out like like spiros flew jets for for a long time hey guess what when do you actually pull the ejection uh pull the ejection (laughs) seat or press the button or i don't know like i just saw top gun i don't actually know what that button does I don't know, whatever the thing is that is so. awesome that's so cool well zach uh this has been this has been fantastic man this has probably cool. been the most in-depth real estate discussion that we've had some t- touching some really really high level important stuff that's i'm, I'm sure everybody's going to relate to so spiros i don't know if you have anything else i i know this was fantastic i i got a lot out of it so i know everybody else is is going to as well no i think this is great man thanks zach for the time and uh cool. you know keep at it keep uh keep the uh the passion for it and you know hopefully we'll get back with you in eight or nine months and see what you're working on <laughs> hopefully it's yeah, not man. hey by the way how do i fill out this unemployment <laughs> yeah right yeah it's, well we it's can help like, you with that too <laughs> yeah it's, don't worry hey everybody was cool until like everything was cool till it wasn't you know what i mean right beanie well, babies used guys. to sell for three thousand dollars a piece 
I'll leave That's you guys true. with something I believe in. A good sales guy is never unemployed. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, hey, it, we'll, fi- we'll find out, I guess. Hey, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put that to the test. <laughs> yeah, always have an escape hatch, man. Always have an Thanks. escape hatch. This is. Thank- Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom Fries Podcast. Join Mike and Spiros next time as they bring more real talk about real estate investing highs and lows. Freedom Fries is focused real estate investing for epic success.